All right, welcome everybody to the weekly podcast of KPC. Um, today I am Steve Keller, and I'm joined by the lovely Jane Keller. Mm, okay, and we are going to be discussing shame today. Pastor Mark preached an incredible message yesterday about shame, so we're just going to give some of our thoughts. Um, dig a little bit deeper. The podcast is called Deeper Still, so we intend on doing that. And um, thanks for coming along for the ride today. Mm-hmm. So who should start here, Jane? Oh, and by the way, I got very good news just a moment ago that we're having something that's Mexican tonight. So <laughs> that we, we might sound a little peppier than usual if y'all can handle that. Um, why don't we... So um, it might be good to give a little, you and Mark are doing a, is it four-week series? Is it four weeks? Yeah, four-week. From uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, about um, press on, mm-hmm. uh, run the race, leave behind. Well, you, you probably yes, know about heart, Pastor Steve. Well, no, it's, it's called the, uh, the things we leave behind, and it's uh, identifying some things that really weigh us down, hold us back. And going forward with Jesus. And so yesterday, Mark talked about shame and how... It's one of those things that we need to leave behind in order to run the race. That's right. So why don't we start off with um, understanding what shame is for just a second. Um, He did a good job with it yesterday. Uh, But shame is is basically, um, it is a negative self-judgment. And the principle biblically with judgment is... That judgment always ends up in condemnation and death of some sort. So it's not that shame is merely kind of this unpleasant ghost that haunts us now and then, but that it, it's, um, it's something that's very deadly, very toxic to our souls. And um, So anyway, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I liked... Um I thought he did a great job of just defining what shame is, giving illustrations, and then even talk, even talking about the difference between guilt mm-hmm. and shame. Um, so get into that a little bit. The, the difference, difference between guilt, guilt and shame. Well, the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is when you feel bad or guilty because you did something wrong so guilt comes in um and says you made a mistake you screwed up in some certain area that's guilt shame says you are a screw up you are bad you are wrong you so it's totally it's it's so um it's such an important distinction because, as Mark pointed out in his sermon, guilt is something that we need. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes in to convict us of our sin. Uh, so, so conviction is from the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Shame is right. from the enemy of our soul. I, I liked the definition that Mark used from Young that said, you know, soul is... Shame, no, or soul. Shame is soul eating. Mm. You know, it just eats us up from inside. And I, re- I mean, this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. You know that. Yeah. But I, I really believe that it is the number one tool that the enemy uses against us is shame, because it. 
has the potential to absolutely destroy us and cripple us from what our God-given, you know, who we are. Shame attacks our identity. It attacks our identity in Christ. It attacks who we are. And so if we lose that, if we lose our identity, if we lose our security, our, our, um, that knowing of who we are, then we really, I mean, we're, we're lost. Yeah. We're just lost. Yeah, it's, and it's, I, I like the way you phrase that, that guilt is a gift from above to kind of lead us back on, to, you know, to repent of what's, you know, a, a mistake or whatever, a sin, transgression, but shame is, is an attack from below to destroy mm-hmm. who we are. You know, there, there's some people, like you, you said, um, you know, shame. You're convinced that shame is the number one tool of the enemy. Some people would argue that it's offense. But what I find interesting about that is that shame is being offended with yourself. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. Huh, I'm offended with who I am. And, um, and I, I'm convinced you're right on the money that... Um, you know, shame just, it, it really is a, is a, um, it really just rips apart the very fabric that, you know, that God wove us with. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, because guilt says you messed up. Shame says you are messed up. Right. You know. Um, guilt says there's uh, repentance and redemption and forgiveness, and it's instantaneous. Shame says... There's no way out of this. Yeah. yeah, guilt says return to the Lord, kind of climb back up onto the heights. Shame says you're worthless. Just keep descending. And that's all it is is an invitation to depression, right. darkness, descent. Yeah. yeah. A few other messages that go along with shame um, are the, that I'm flawed as a human being. Mm. You know, I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. I'm a reject. Um. I am bad. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it is a dark. So let one. me ask you a question because as a um, this gets to something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is this notion, and I'm not. Well, maybe you're you okay? This idea that I know that you know the the scripture says we're born. You know, none of us are worthy and you know we were all born in sin but but this idea that we're bad that we're that we're you know we're inherently bad mm-hmm. where does that come from well I, I think you identified it earlier it's from the enemy because you know when you look back at i think we have to go back to creation you know in the beginning we were made in the image of god and what did god say about us it's and, good yeah and in fact <laughs> I believe we're the only part of creation where God said it is very good. Mm-hmm. But then why do so many Christians, I mean, because I feel like that's a theology that I've heard, mm-hmm. that we're born in sin. And so we're born, you know, with, with you know, I mean, obviously we need to be redeemed, but yeah. do you see where I'm going with this? Well, I mean, we're certainly born into sin. I mean, into a fallen, broken world. Um we need redemption from the day we're born into this world. The, you know, the, I do think there is a heaviness on the part of the church 
there's there's kind of a constant pressure in in many evangelical churches that we really need to pray about you know we need to preach about sin we need to keep the pressure on people when it comes to sin instead of a, I think really bringing the cross into it and saying you know what God got over our sin um, Jesus Christ he dealt with our sin. So let's embrace Jesus Christ. You know, let's receive the love and the light and the life, the life of God. <laughs> you mentioned this the other day. I thought it was phenomenal. But but sometimes the message you get is we almost need Jesus to come and save us from God. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just this whole idea that. Right. Um, I mean, there's even a shame message built right. into the salvation message. Right. And that's what I was getting yeah. at was that this idea that Jesus came to save us from God. Because we are terrible people, or and and okay, I'm not I'm not saying we're not sin. Like I'm not going there. But what I am saying is that if we're created in His image, you know, I just then then like you said in the beginning, it was good. Yeah. And Christ came to redeem all of that, so we don't live under the curse. God never, you know, Jesus didn't have to save us from. From his father, our father, came to save us from our sin. Yeah, and I think that's part of what needs to happen um, and hopefully is beginning to happen in, in kind of this, this era is that um, instead of just banging the drums so heavily about sin all the time, that we really speak to the goodness God created, the beauty in people, we call them back mm-hmm. to their original design. Right. You know, don't live a life apart from the right. grace, the love, the goodness of Jesus Christ that's right. yours. His arms are out. Right. Um, you know, because you, you can sometimes feel so beaten down that you say yes, and then you just kind of return back to right. this life of unworthiness, which I'm convinced is not gospel at all. We talked about this in the summer Bible study um, that the women did, which was, you know, this idea that we, um, when we go back to creation, we go back to the fall. You know, we go back to to Adam and Eve, and that's where that's like that's our yeah. touchstone for creation. Instead of going back to the actual beginning, because the fall has been dealt with, but. But so often we forget that. We yeah. don't live that way. We live like we're still under the curse. We're not. Yeah. And I think that's the, that, that's and the I think, point. And the reason I'm bringing that up, I'm sorry, is no, because no. I think this is where so much of our shame comes right. from. Yeah, and I agree. With that. I think if you just move, if we just move the starting line back to the true starting line, we'd right. be in a lot better shape. Don't begin with the fall. Begin with creation. Right. You know, the fall came along at one point of man's, um, you know, historical race here, but the, the fall was not the beginning. Mm-mm. The Garden of Eden was the beginning. Right. In the beginning, God created. Right. Go back there, start right. there. So we're created in His image. Yes. Which means that... And because... His image is perfect. Right. It's beautiful. It's, oh. Right, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. Uh, you and... Um, I know in, your ministry primarily is with women. I mean, more so than anything else. Shame is a big, is a real big thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you guys are constantly dealing with it, ministering to shame in women. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is there anything you would say about that? Just well, I think shame is something that uh, I don't know if women struggle with it more than men or feel. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I just think maybe the ways in which we experience it is it can be very different. Um, you know, uh, I know women are more um, likely to be abused, you know, more likely to um, have body image issues. You know, women are more likely to uh, struggle with um, being torn between family and work or, you know, pressures of, of home life. And, and not that men don't struggle with these things. They also do. But I just, it's different. Women carry it in a different way. Um, well, that, that's what I wonder. I guess I should have phrased it as a question, but I wonder if there's more of a shame culture around women. I mean, as a, um, as a man, it's about it's impossible to answer that. Mm. But when I look at the images that are put up, um, you know, the constant tension between being a working professional and a faithful mom, I've just, I've just wondered: is it more? You know, is shame something that's pointed more directly at women? And, and I guess maybe you answered that. Well, you know, it's that. interesting because if you think about um, the fall, um, sorry, got distracted there. If you think about the fall, you know, Eve gets the blame for it mostly. You know, we know that Adam was there, but, you know, historically, Eve was the first one. She's the one that engaged in conversation, you know. With Satan, so I do with the serpent. So I do think, and God is this woman you gave me, right? Right. So right, right away, (laughs) she's blamed, and the shame falls on her immediately. And it's interesting, you know, because the language of Scripture is that you know, um, you know, the Son of Adam, you know, that so so that redemption feels more readily available. To Adam, if this makes sense, Mm -hmm. the language of scripture isn't, you know, Eve's redemption. Does that? Yeah. Are you following me there? Mm -hmm. It's just something that I think about. And I, I so I do think shame, the enemy, you know, does set up women to experience shame. Um, Probably more easily, maybe. Yeah, very, maybe very personally. And maybe. again, these are all based on the lies of, of the enemy. What about um, where shame comes from, humanly speaking? I mean, we, it's definitely a tool of the devil, but in everyday life... Yeah. Um, well, Mark pointed out some good ones in his sermon. Um, you know, just that it can come from abuse... It can, did he point this out, or were we talking about this? Now I'm having a hard time remembering. Well, we were listening to Mark's sermon, so of course we would know. <laughs> no, I think he did. Yeah, he um, did talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, too, you, so it can come from neglect, you know, abuse as a child. Um, it can come from these outward messages that we get, you know, that this is what beauty is, this is what value is, this is what, you know, success looks mm-hmm. like. Um, that, so it can come from that. I mean, it can come from being raised in a shame based family. You know, if, if your value as a family is external things and you don't measure up to that, you're going to feel really 
shamed. Yeah, the family can definitely be a big one. Um, and I, I'm, I'm kind of struck today just in thinking about this, um, how it starts very, it starts very early. Um, you know, children are hit with shame, can be from a very early mm. age. I know peers are one thing, but there's been such a, a swing in society against bullying, which is good, you know, right, that type right. of thing. But, um, you know, the influence of the home can be so big here for the family. And you, you said a shame-based family, but I think of, you know, very controlling parents. Sure. Or, you know, in the course of punishment, which should happen in a family, you know, you have to correct a child. There's one thing to deal with it, you know, from kind of a godly perspective of, hey, this is wrong. Here's why this is wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a punishment attached to it. That's one thing. But then to say, you know... You're a bad child. Right. You know, you're flawed. Shame on you. Yeah. Or (laughs) if you do this, then we will love you, which is a message a lot of people get that, you know, we say, we throw away around unconditional love so quickly, but quite often love can be so conditional. Mm -hmm. And so you get kids that, you know, they grow up, they're victims for a while. And then they turn around and they become the offenders, the perpetrators right, of it. But right. boy, the family's huge in yeah. a shame or a, uh, a grace-filled um, experience for a person. Yeah. Hmm. You know, one, one reason I said that I think that shame is the number one tool, weapon that uh, Satan uses is... Um, because getting caught in in a shame, I'm just going to call it a shame spiral. I mean that, you know, getting caught in that, um, it's it can be really, um, well, it is. It's demonic based because you are believing lies about yourself, you know, and mainly the lie. And Mark pointed this out in the sermon. Mainly the lie that you're not worthy mm-hmm. of God's love or anyone's love, or you're not worthy of redemption. You, you're that one exception. You know, but shame is so um, evil in that way, as it just tells you these lies. And um, I heard uh, a sermon recently on shame, which is really good. I would recommend it. Jonathan Martin uh, preached, uh, you can Google him or he has a podcast. Uh, can I, I can say, right? Yeah, Son of a Preacher Man is the name of his podcast. And he's a, a great speaker. But anyway, he has a sermon on shame. And he said in his sermon on shame, as he was talking about a shame spiral that he had just come out of, um, which interestingly enough had to do with food and eating and body image. Um, but, um, that, that he's like, this is, this is my version of hell getting stuck in that shame spiral. And it is, it is for me too. It is, it has to be a level of hell that you're just stuck in this thought prison that you cannot yeah. get out of and your thoughts are I'm are are only about how terrible you are how how much you I hate myself I'm I'm so unworthy I mean and just other things that I'm not going to say out loud but that shame spiral is it's hell yeah and it's not only that you can't get out of it or I can't get out of it 
it's that nobody else can get in there with us. That's what's uh-huh. really difficult about shame is right. that, you know, people can show, I mean, loving people can show up in your life. And if you're too locked in shame, they can sit there and say things like, man, you're, you're a great dad. You're a great son. You know, you're so good at what you do. You're beautiful. You're strong. You're smart. You make such a difference in my life and none of it can penetrate. So the danger, I mean, it really is, it's uh, it's it's like being put in isolation in a prison. You are, it. I mean, you're alone. Right. And so th- it's so important to know what it is and to get healing and, and, um, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. Um, One thing that Mark said is that what shame comes in and it takes away all of our hope. Yeah. You know, which is what. I guess what kind of what you're talking about, because mm-hmm. if you have no hope, you can't hear the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Those walls are keeping it out. And, and that's and shame does. It robs us of hope. Mm-hmm. It robs us of believing that there's ever room or, or a chance for change or for things to be different. Yeah. And I think it robs us, too, of intimacy. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of the markers of shame that it, it destroys intimacy between us and other people. Because how in the world can I love another person if I, if I despise myself? Mm-hmm. You know, if I believe I'm no good, how can there be any good between us? Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it tears away at the fabric of no, friendships, it marriage, um, spiritual connections between brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Folks that we work with, yeah, you know, I'm I'm always a step behind. I'm always a a a lower on a lower rung than everybody else. Yeah, so it's it's kills a soul, but it kills the relationships as well. So, I mean, for me personally, in my life, I've struggled with shame. Um, I mean, considerably, way more than than you have Mm -hmm. for sure. And there are reasons, a lot of different reasons, a lot of reasons I have and a lot of reasons you haven't, you know, and um, so I guess what, what do we, how do we change the storyline and how do we get out of that shame spiral? And I, at almost 50, (laughs) I still... I still can yeah. easily, easily fall into that, you know, um, for okay, well, a lot of different reasons. Yeah, let's know? explore that. How do, how do we break the cycle of shame? I mean, that's the question. I, one big word comes up. Well, before that, I think it helps a lot to do what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Know what it is and identify it. You know, this is what shame is and... I have shame in me. So I think that the, I think those are, it, it, you know, just a moment of truth. Mm-hmm. You'll know the truth and it'll set you free. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Let me know the truth of where I am and what I got. So that helps. But I just see forgiveness come, come flying into this because with every one of us who struggle with shame, there is an offender. You know, it yeah. might be that little group of kids that made fun of me because I was 10 pounds heavier than they were when I was mm-hmm. a kid or... Um, you know, so it could be a peer group or, you know, a group of people that terrorize me at work. But it, it could be much more sinister where it was every day of my life with my mother and my father. Um, or, uh, you know, a teacher that I spent 
a year underneath this person who I had a teacher that did that in fourth grade. I couldn't get math, and she ridiculed me. She made me stand at the board Mm. with a piece of chalk in my hand, figure it out. Mm -hmm. I I was so lost. Mm -hmm. I stood at the board for 45 minutes with a piece of chalk in my hand with everybody Mm -hmm. laughing as she went on to teach another subject. Right, right. Forgiveness has to come in. You know, just the Lord's Prayer, Lord... Forgive me mm-hmm. for for what I feel, you know that I've I've accepted forgive uh, I've I've accepted shame. Forgive me as I forgive her. There's a that forgiving, that letting go. God, I just they didn't know what they were doing, or Lord, maybe they did know what they were doing, but in Jesus' name, and knowing that forgiveness yeah. sometimes it's not oh one prayer and I'm okay, but mm-hmm. I may need to to live with this for a little while. I need may need to linger and daily just forgive this person. But take that forgiveness that was given on the cross and just begin to work it both ways. I receive it as I give it, Lord. Help me in Jesus' name. But I I think for sure it starts there. And forgiving ourselves, too, you know, for believing this stuff. Well, actually, maybe before um, we talk about how how to change the cycle of shame... I feel like we need to just mention and and touch on briefly the role that the church plays in shame because we have talked about our families, teachers Mm -hmm. for sure, um, friends, um, magazines, you know, what, I mean, there's a lot of, so, so what role does the church and, or has the church played in shame? Well, I think we can play a good role or a bad role, you know. If we are giving the grace of Jesus, if we are loving well, um, you know, we're cutting through it. We're making a difference. You know, if we're really ministering to messy people, not, you know, not afraid to get our hands dirty, preaching the full gospel, um, you know, we're making a difference. But we all have stories of a church we went to, um, you know, a minister we sat under, and unfortunately, they just manipulated. You know, mm-hmm. shaming people into ministry. Well, because there are shaming people, people to the right, altar. You know, right? Because and there are people, and not just Christians, but there are people who actually still believe that shame is a good, yeah, a good thing and a good, a good motivator and yeah. a good, you know, teaching. Uh, mechanism. Let's use shame to get people to do what. I mean, there are those people, and unfortunately, yeah, they they are in the church. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's subtle. You know, we need nursery workers. You know, all the kids are in the back; they don't have anybody. You know, it can be <laughs> kind of a subtle shaming, which isn't good, but there can be that shaming people to the altar of God, you know, Mm -hmm. shaming people into a meaningful communion, you know, shaming people to give more in the plate. Um, And unfortunately, I think when you come to Jesus because of shame, then your whole relationship is going to be about what do I do? What can I give? How can I act in order to keep Jesus happy with me. Yeah. If that's how you come to him in the first place, it's going to, it's going to, that's what your relationship is going to be. Kind of going back to what we talked about before, which was, you know, Jesus didn't come to save us from God. God's not angry at us. We don't have to do anything to work ourselves into his good graces. Yeah. 
But if that's how we come to him, I mean, if the church shames us into that, which that's the church I grew up in, Mm -hmm. you know, I loved my church and I loved my youth group and I loved all of that, but there was a definite shame element to it. Yeah, and I I started off in a church. We, We switched churches right when I became a teenager, thank God, but I was in a church early on where you would get both sides of the coin and you would hear, um, hey, you know, you cannot work your way to God. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the salvation of Jesus Christ is a grace gift extended to you. You can't, you know, there's nothing you could do to earn it. And then you would hear messages like, well, you know, if you were a real Christian, you'd be involved in our evangelistic program tonight. <laughs> you know, anybody who's a real Christian right. would never blank. And the truth is the church was filled with people, you know, no real Christian would ever struggle with lust. You got a sanctuary yeah. with a lot of men in it struggle with pornography. Right. No, no Christian would ever struggle with addiction. <laughs> you know, and you got guys secretly smoking out by the car because we do <laughs> struggle. You know, that there is struggle involved. Right. You know, I, I say this and sometimes get in trouble for it, but I'll say it here so I can get in more trouble. But um, you know, the the, the one of the, the I think, the, the truths of, of Scripture is that not everything gets fixed down here. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not the point of the kingdom of God right. is that we are all perfected down right. here. Paul had a, had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but there's struggle in every life. And right. every pastor I've ever known, I've known many, you know, they struggle somewhere. Yeah. And if they don't think they're, str- they're struggling, that's proof that they are struggling. <laughs> you know, it's just... Well, I think, you know... Being saved, yeah. And and I think the the it just strikes me, you know, as we're talking that, you know, the in the church we have really historically kept a tight lid on, you know, talking about our sin publicly, you know, or confessing our sins one to another. That's not something that I think is happening or historically has happened in a lot of churches, and definitely not from the pulpit. Um and so I think a lot of us are carrying around a lot of shame, mm-hmm. a lot of shame. And so what do we do with that? We've taken it and we've directed it at the world. Yeah. We've taken that shame that we feel and that unworthiness that we feel and we've directed it at, you know, people, homosexuals, you know, unwed mothers, you know, um, whoever i mean just pick a pick a category anyone that we don't deem as living you yeah. know and and so we've taken that and we've directed it at them well we've got to have an enemy right i mean isn't that human nature we've got to have an enemy and and if if we are living that kind of a life where hey everybody's fine in the in the sanctuary we're all good it's them out there you know they're the ones with the problems but you're right church too often is not a place where someone can say, I'm really struggling sexually. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really struggling with addiction. I'm, right. My anger is out of control. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with pride and I hate myself for it. Church is not a place too often where we can just say, you know, Hannah, you look up to me. I know I'm in leadership, but I've, I'm, I'm really struggling. So if we can't do it. We don't have permission. Right. Yeah, right. So if we can't do it, exactly. those of us who are you know, know and have received Jesus's forgiveness, like we've experienced that in our lives and we can't do that for ourselves, then how can we expect or even want others to come in 
and receive that. I mean, we're so, we hate ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, 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 you know, we hate ourselves. And so how can we take that shame and, and hate that we have for ourselves and direct it and turn it into love for others? We can't. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. Right. You can't. Yeah. So I think the church. We keep secrets. We've got to change the yeah. conversation about about sin, about shame, about our struggles. We've got to, well, we've got to start the conversation and we have to, and it is happening. I know it's happening in in pockets. I hear it, you know, on different podcasts and stuff and reading different books. I mean, it's definitely happening, but um, we have to, in the church, we have to be more comfortable with just walking in our own struggle and allowing other people mm-hmm. into it and also learning how to walk along other side alongside of others as they struggle. Yeah. And so that I think it leads us into what we were starting to talk yeah. about, but I got us off track, no. which is how do we get out of the shame spiral? Yeah. And I think that right there is the number one way. Yeah. Tell somebody, tell somebody that you trust, right? You know, go to a counselor, Go, go, go to therapy, you know, do that if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I was in counseling for how long? Two, well, a long long time, you know, when we lived in Charlotte. Like, that's okay. Do that. Talk to somebody. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's real, that really goes in line with the whole confession. You know, confess your sins one Mm -hmm. to another Mm -hmm. that you might be healed. Yeah. Bringing someone into the conversation. Which means you have to have permission. Obviously, not everybody needs to hear your stuff, but someone who loves you and has some level of maturity to be able to say, hey, I'm struggling here. And for it to be okay, you know, to be able to say, look, I'm faithful to my wife physically, but I've got a harem of women in my mind to be able to say things like that to someone, whether it be a counselor. And that's why I think permission is so big within the church. There's got to be a permission to confess. Right. But and we, we've we got to invite people in right, and not be alone in right. this stuff. So, yeah, Mark talked about that in his sermon, um, the, the, the danger of silence mm-hmm. and secrecy, keeping it. Um, so that's one way. Right. I think another way is, um, I know people probably don't want to hear this, <laughs> I think a lot of it is just honestly, it's hard work. As someone who's done, who's working towards that, it's it's hard work to tell yourself the truth every day to look in the mirror and just constantly tell yourself the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is some of it is just that day after day, standing up and not and refusing to listen to the lies. You know, at some point we do have to stop just listening to that and know the truth of God's love and unconditional love and finding our worth and self-acceptance in that. And um, it can happen miraculously. It can happen in an instant where we just see. And then sometimes for others it just is hard work of, of constantly doing that for ourselves i think it's a gift we give ourselves just to tell ourselves the truth and over time that truth begins to work its way through us okay so we've said three things uh had three tools that are are um a part of the healing one is forgiveness mm-hmm. 
Forgive those who have yeah, just, just sinned against you. Forgive yourself. Receive it. Um, that second one is, I, I will, I'll say get a new family. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning get a new spiritual family around you yeah. who you can be honest with and who will, who will love you out of shame. Right. You know, people that you can share with, engage with. But this third one is huge, is the truth. Mm-hmm. We need to hear the truth. And the right. truth is not that we are worthless. We don't have what it takes. We're flawed. We're a failure. The truth is um, uh, that we are, from Genesis, made in the image of God, and we are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is Psalm 139, 13 and 14 God, you created me and uh, you created my inmost being. Mm. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And it's just the just the place of the Word of God in all of this yeah. is gigantic. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether you're just nosing through Psalm of so- Song of Solomon, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Mm-hmm. You know, even even the side, um, you know, the side notes of Scripture. Tell us a very different story about who we are. Yeah. We were worth pursuing. Right. You know, if we stunk so bad and were so miserable after the fall, why did God pursue yeah. us? Why does he continue to pursue us? Because right. we're lovely. We're wonderful. Right. We are the apple of his eye. But getting into the word, I mean, even together with other people is yeah. is so redemptive. So I think it's it's this idea of having mirrors. Yeah. We have to Who's your mirror? Who are our mirrors? Our mirror needs to be the word of God, first <clears throat> of all, God Himself. You know, Jesus word in the flesh, you know. So that needs to be our first mirror, people that we trust that will mirror back to us the truth. And then we need to be a good mirror for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's so good, just quoting the word of God over you, just saying it, just speaking it over yourself and over your life and over your mind and your soul. It just, it, that's so powerful. Yeah. You know, we've been dealing with something else too, as a staff. Um, we had a, a little mini retreat and, um, we, we asked a question and the question, there were really positive, engaging questions that were drawing us into our mission and vision. And we were affirming what we loved about our staff and our church and, um, but then there was a question that said, I don't like it when our staff blank. And one of the answers to the question, I won't forget it, was, I don't like it when our staff blames and points mm. the finger. And I think central uh, or, or critical to getting out of shame is walking away from some of our mirrors. You know, it... There are people in our lives, and, and that we all have bad moments, but people who chronically point the finger yeah. and blame and shame. And I, I think it's a very godly, good, and courageous thing to walk yeah. away. And there have been some people in both of our lives um, that we've had to walk away from and just say, you're, you're a finger pointer, mm-hmm. and I can't beat the other end yeah. of that finger. I'm yeah. just, I'm not going to be one of those people. Yeah. Because even if, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words really do hurt. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the finger pointers have to find yeah. hopefully healing, but if they won't find that, they've got to find someone else to point their finger at. And I just encourage anyone who's listening, you know, if, if you're a child in a family, um, love where you are, honor your parents. But if you're an adult who, um, 
you know, you've, you've, you've got a measure of freedom and independence. Consider before the Lord walking away from those people who are being mm-hmm. used by the enemy to destroy your soul and call you something you're not. You know, that blaming and point is so, what you just said is really good. And this is a lesson that I learned as a mom. I could hear myself um, say it to the kids like, you know, um, I could hear myself say it to the kids. Hmm. Uh, you know, who didn't put their dishes in the dishwasher? You know, <laughs> who took out the clothes from the and threw them on the floor? You know, Shamed I mean, that's, one, step forth. No, yeah. but, I, but I, it's I that blank. Yeah. No, but and and it's just so. As a mom, it's just so like, who did this? Or why did you do that? What were you thinking? Yeah, that those that's kind it. of questions they just evoke feelings of shame. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying kids don't need to be held responsible for right. chores, but I'm saying there's we have to really be careful of the language that we use. I am so guilty of it, and it's yeah. something I've really, really tried. Like, okay, it doesn't matter. And then I hear the kids doing it with each other, you know, blaming each other for it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter and i think so often what matters is that we make it right now yeah and i think what what as parents i know what i'm trying to do when i do that because i do it too sometimes who is the one it's sidestepping my responsibility which is just to say hey this is wrong right we have a problem here let's own the problem here's what we ought to be doing yeah. instead because it's not even a question right. you know no, it's well, not a that? real question it really isn't a question it's <laughs> it's um Hey, you're stupid for doing this. Right. <laughs> you you know, everybody look. Right. This is this is the one who blew it. It's our it's our own and version of, of yeah. making them go exactly. stand at the blackboard. And and, and yeah, I think too, that's another way shame dies is we all understand right. this is a tool we all can pick right. up. And um I'm glad you identified that because it even giving the podcast, it makes me say, you know, I need to step away from being someone who pushes us along. I don't want to push it along yeah. to my children and, you know, right. staff members and all sorts of stuff. Right, exactly. Blame is so, that's such a good one. I feel like we could talk about this. I could talk about this for hours, and I know we probably need to wrap it up um, now. So. Why don't we pray? Do you want to pray, or would you have me do it, dear? Um, yeah, why don't, we, why don't we both pray? Yeah, we'll both pray. <laughs> Boom, tag team. Let's be crazy. Let's go crazy. <laughs> well, Father, I, I just thank you, first of all, for um, Mark's sermon yesterday and just bringing light onto, uh, it's, just, it's just a painful subject really to talk about. It's not necessarily fun to talk about our shame um, or just even the fact that we feel shame sometimes or all the time. But I thank you uh, for just bringing it out into the open so that we can talk about Mm. it because there's freedom. You know, when we bring things into the light, there's freedom in that. And we want, that's what we want. We want to be free. We want to be set free. And we want to walk in freedom all the days of our lives and enjoying all the good things that you've given us. And we can't do that if we're locked in a closet or, or in a box <laughs> of shame. We just, we can't do it. And so um, I just pray that you would continue, Holy Spirit, to unlock um, 
shame in people here at our church, at our, our body here. And I pray that you would just do it, um, just do it everywhere. Just do it all over the nations or that your spirit would come and just begin to cast off shame in the church so that we can be what we're meant to be, which is a loving, gracious, yeah. kind, mm. forgiving, uh, peaceful people and a light in this world. I just ask you to do that, Holy Spirit. I love that word, Lord, freedom. And just pray that freedom would uh, would just spill over us right now like a, like a waterfall, just... I thank you that it was for freedom's sake that uh, that Christ set us free. We thank you that that's what the cross is about. And empty tomb is just about people breaking, breaking out of uh, oh their their locked places. Um, and God, we just thank you for that, Lord. We I thank you that there is no condemnation in Jesus. It's just not there. And so, um, God, we just say yes to uh, getting set free, yes to light and life and joy, um, to light feet and um, full hearts. So, Father, we, uh, we just thank you that, that you have come to set us free, and we just uh, rejoice in the blood of Jesus and um, the truth of your word, the beautiful ministry of your Holy Spirit, um, making prisoners into free men and women in Jesus' name. Okay, thank you for listening today to our weekly podcast, Deeper Still. If uh, there's ever a subject or something that you'd like to dig into a little bit deeper, you can send that request to media at kpc.org, and we'll get that request, and we'll see. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, have a good week. <laughs>